see, discipleship isn't about personal growth. And thank our God in heaven that it's not about personal growth. Discipleship is about grace. It's not about trying to gain favor with God. It's about what God has freely given. And he has given you everything, and he's not going to stop giving you. Discipleship isn't about positions in the kingdom. It's about the fact that Christ is king, and he's ruling in your hearts through the power of the gospel. Discipleship isn't looking at yourself in the mirror and wondering what sort of disciple you are. If you're a pretty good disciple, or a not very good disciple at all. It's about looking at the Son of Man and trusting without a doubt that you have a wonderful Savior. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Gospel according to Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Having spent two months here at peace, I'm starting to get to know you a bit better. And it's been an absolute joy hearing all of your different stories about who you are as people. You have a lot of different gifts and special callings. Some of you are artists. Some of you are gardeners. A few of you are business owners. Some of you are all-star grandparents. Some of you are basket weavers. Well, at least one of you is, anyways. And many of you are just phenomenal cooks, as has been demonstrated every Wednesday night at the supper and study. But there's one thing that you all have in common. 
Jesus has called you to be his disciples. Now this is a big call. We'll see this morning that it's, it's a call that will actually cost you your life. This morning, I want to focus on two specific things with you this morning, all about discipleship. Jesus calls you to die to self and to live your life for others. To die to self. This is something that James and John struggled with. James and John were brothers, they were disciples, and they were known to be rather bold, confrontational men even earning the nickname, the Sons of Thunder. But even with this reputation, even with this nickname, what they do here in this account is pretty shocking. Their request to Jesus, they want to sit at his right and his left in glory. Essentially, James and John think they deserve a promotion. Now, I've had a variety of jobs over the years, from making chai lattes at a place called Flamingo Cafe to making concrete light poles at a place called Traditional Concrete. A wide variety of jobs, but I've never at any of those jobs asked for a raise or a promotion. And I'm not bragging about this either. It's just sort of who I am. Is I'm, I'm a pretty non-confrontational person. I'd be shaking in my boots to go up to the boss's door and knock on his door and say that I deserve something like that. But here you've got James and John. They go up to Jesus, the Son of God, and they think that they deserve a promotion. This is quite the ambitious request. But what makes this request what it is, is the context of it as well. Right before James and John went up to Jesus, they were they were on road to Jerusalem, Jesus had been teaching his disciples, and he had been telling them that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and to die. He spoke with unmistakable clarity, really. He had, he had done this three times, but in this third time, he said that the people would mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. He gets into those gruesome details, and then the disciples on the road to Jerusalem, where all of this is going to happen, they think this is a good time to ask Jesus for a favor. It's insensitive, really. And even the way that they framed their question, they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. They don't even tell him at first. It's like they're saying, Hey, Miracle Man, we want you to do whatever we say. It's a bit rude. Jesus is marching to Jerusalem as a sacrifice. And all that's on James and John's minds are their own status. Jesus had, had predicted his suffering and his death and his resurrection three times now, but the third time wasn't the charm for the disciples. They still had a completely different vision for this Messiah. They thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to set up his throne that he was going to kick the Romans out of Israel and restore glory to the nation once again. And James and John, you better believe that they wanted a piece of that. They wanted to sit up there with Jesus. They wanted to be on their own thrones, to have people under them carrying out their orders, to have a waitstaff bringing them food and the finest china, 
and wine and golden chalices. They wanted all of that. You could say at least allegiance to God and his kingdom, it's there. It's commendable. They want to be with Jesus. But their ambition is all wrong. It's all about self. It's all about glory and honor. You'll hear a lot of Christians today say a lot of really great-sounding things. And, and they are good things. You'll hear people say, Jesus, I want to grow as a disciple. Jesus, I want to be a better Christian spouse. Jesus, I want to know your word backwards and forwards. All, all good things. And the list goes on. You want to be in life groups. That's great. You want to be challenged to be a better spouse. Good. You want to enroll your kids in all the best Christian programs. Great. But you have to ask yourself this question. What is the end goal? Is it so that you can fully invest in yourself? Is it so that you can pour time and energy into making yourself look like this star student of Jesus? like the best disciple there ever was. Because for many people today, discipleship has become synonymous with personal growth. People are looking for a church that has great programs, but they don't care so much if there's pure gospel preaching. I heard that from a high school friend of mine not too long ago. They said that they found a new church, and they commented, yeah, the, the doctrine, it's a little bit different, but the ministry programs, the ministry programs are great. I just love them. Their allegiance to the kingdom is there, right? But their ambition, it's concerning. It's, it's about self. And this attitude of idolizing self, of idolizing personal growth it doesn't belong in the church. For one, it, it doesn't work. It may sound ironic, but personal growth is irony. It doesn't work because the more you spend pouring into yourself and thinking about yourself, the less growing you're actually going to do. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't call us to personal growth. When he calls us to be his disciples, he calls us to die to self. Discipleship isn't about you. And that's, that's the whole point. It's not about the followers. It's about the leader. And look where Jesus is leading in this account. He's going to Jerusalem. But he's not going there to establish his throne and drink wine of golden chalices. He's going to suffer. To drink from the cup of God's wrath. He's not marching to Jerusalem to overthrow the Roman bureaucracy. He's marching to Jerusalem to undergo a baptism of death. And he did all of this for you. You see, discipleship isn't about personal growth. And thank our God in heaven that it's not about personal growth. Discipleship is about grace. It's not about trying to gain favor with God. It's about what God has freely given. 
And he has given you everything. And he's not going to stop giving. Discipleship isn't about positions in the kingdom. It's about the fact that Christ is king. And he's ruling in your hearts through the power of the gospel. Discipleship isn't looking at yourself in the mirror and wondering what sort of disciple you are. If you're a pretty good disciple or a not very good disciple at all. It's about looking at the Son of Man and trusting without a doubt that you have a wonderful Savior. That is what discipleship is about. It's death to self. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Christian during World War II. And he actually died defending his faith. And before his death, he wrote extensively about discipleship. And he sums it up well when he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. This call to discipleship is a call to stop being wrapped up in ourselves And it's a call to realize that we are wrapped in Christ's holiness, in the robes of Christ's righteousness. But Jesus doesn't only call us to die to self, but he also calls us to live. And what a life he calls us to. A life lived for other people. Jesus' illustration is a good one. He teaches his disciples and us a lesson about the kingdom of God, placing the kingdom of God right next to the kingdoms of this world. He tells the disciples to think about the Gentile rulers. Think about how they have power and authority. Instinctively, I'm glad that these disciples are thinking about the Romans. Now that's an empire that has power. And not just sheer, raw power, but power organized in a very systematic way. You think about their government, their military, their society. Maybe think back to a high school history class, the Latin words cursus honorum, the course of honors. This was a political ladder that Roman citizens would try to climb all the way to the top. The goal was to become a consul, a ruler over the people. It was, quite literally, a political and race to the top. But when Jesus calls his disciples, he calls them to a race to the bottom. This is something that James and John were learning, and this is something that the other ten disciples were learning as well. We heard about James and John, their ambitious request, but we can't forget about the reaction of those other ten. They heard about James and John, and they became upset. They were not happy with James and John, and it's not because those ten disciples totally got discipleship. It wasn't like they were thinking, come on, James and John, you know that discipleship isn't about you, it's about Jesus. Really, those ten disciples were upset that James and John had beat them question. They were upset that even at the idea that James and John could be over them, that they could be better disciples. And so Jesus has to teach all of them a lesson. That it's 
a race to the bottom, not a race to the top like the world thinks. Jesus speaks with unmistakable clarity. He says, whoever wants to be great among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. So with this illustration of the Gentile way of thinking, the Gentile way of society from their minds, I can only wonder what those disciples are thinking as Jesus tells them, not only do they have to be servants, but slaves. The slaves in Roman society were at the complete bottom. They had no rights. They couldn't climb that ladder, let alone even touch that ladder to the top. They existed purely to benefit other people. So this call is countercultural to the extreme. And Jesus calls us to the same race, to the same race to the bottom. And it is totally countercultural. It changes the way we think about everything. It changes the way we think about church membership. The way that most people think about membership is that you pay something and then you get special benefits for being a member. Like at Costco, you pay money and then you get to get chicken bakes at the concession stand. At Sam's Club, you pay money and you get those giant slices of greasy pizza. It's great, but membership at a church is not transactional. It's not what you can get out of it, but it's relational. What you can give to other people. So we're not thinking about membership benefits. We're thinking about how can we possibly benefit other members. And this affects everything, really. Even sitting here listening to this sermon, it's not just about you building up a biblical IQ, but you're receiving gospel encouragement. Gospel encouragement that you can live out and share with others. But this, this call to discipleship is, is bigger than the walls here at peace. Jesus says, slave of all. A disciple of Jesus is constantly looking outwardly, constantly thinking, who can I love? Who can I serve? And there's no exceptions. When Jesus says slave of all, there's no asterisk that says slave of all except for that guy who cut you off on the highway. Or slave of all, except when that person has a different political opinion than you. Who that person is, or what that person has done, even what that person has done to you, maybe, has no effect on your calling as a disciple. The mission stays the same. Others first. It's a race to the bottom. But it's crucial in our understanding of this call is understanding where this call comes from. It doesn't come from an angry tyrant or a threatening boss. It comes from your loving and gracious and gentle Savior. Your Savior came to earth and was the greatest servant who ever lived. He came to help and to heal the sick to hug and befriend the outcast, to provide for and to protect the weak, to seek and to save the lost. In a word, 
he came for you. In a race to the bottom, he came for you and there was nothing that could stop him. He lowered himself all the way to death. But in Jerusalem, relative to his surroundings, he wasn't lower than most people. He was elevated, but he wasn't sitting on a throne. He was wearing a crown. James and John weren't on his right and his left, but two criminals were hanging there. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is greatness. This is greatness. This is your Savior. Your Savior who gave his life to forgive the sins of the whole world. This is your Savior who gave his life, who gave you freedom from sin so that you can live your life for him. And Jesus didn't only set the pattern of discipleship, but he gives you the power to carry it out as well. Jesus has called you to be his, his disciples. Keep following your Savior as you die to self and live a life for others. Keep seeking the Lord. He is the one who has graciously given you all things. You don't need to worry about investing in self, investing in personal growth, because God is fully invested in your spiritual growth. He has filled your heart with a love for people, and he has placed you in a world that needs that love now more than ever. This call to discipleship will cost you your life. And there's nothing you'd rather give to your Savior who gave it all to you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. At thy feet its treasures store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Amen.